Hey, Fairborn, it is Megan Howard, and welcome to the Rumor Has It podcast. I am solo again uh, as a hosting, but I am not solo because I have Amy Ferguson from uh, Michael's house with me today. Uh, so Amy, thank you. Oh, oh, we got dual here. So this is what happens when you're solo. You got to do the buttons and you got to do all the other hosting uh, duties. Uh, but Amy, thank you so much. Rob is out again today. Um, but uh, I am so happy that you've joined us uh, for episode 37 of the Rumor Has It podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm excited that you're here. And I am as well. Good. Can you uh, just share with us a little bit, not only about yourself, but about uh, what you do at Michael's House? Sure. Um, I am the manager at Michael's House. So essentially my duties um, kind of oversee the processes at Michael's House and the administrative responsibilities and the duties to oversee everything that's going on within the building. But Michael's House in and of itself is essentially a one-stop shop for kids who are experiencing any kind of maltreatment or violence or child abuse. And so the idea behind the Advocacy Center is to bring all of the investigative parties to one place for the child instead of the child having to go see all of those other people. Oh, wow. How long have you worked there? I've been at Michael's House um, for eight years, but I've been in child welfare for 26. Okay. And you have a anybody listening to the podcast, they can't see this, but Amy's got a, her badge on and um, you know, it says Dayton Children. So I'm assuming that there's a partnership there. Correct. We are employed through Dayton Children's Hospital. Um, and it's quite remarkable because Dayton Children's actually has three advocacy centers. So we have two sister centers, one in Warren County, the Child Advocacy Center of Warren County, as well as Care House in Montgomery County. And we all work together very collaboratively to make sure that the kids in that tri-state area, or tri-county area, excuse me, are all really taken care of with regard to child abuse and maltreatment. And Dayton Children's oversees all three centers. Okay. They're our fiscal umbrella. We fall under their 501c three and they provide some other services for us but um, all three centers are grant funded and um, donations and in kind and, and monetary donations as well as grant funding okay and this is so Michael's house is really open not just to Fairborn but really you know any child that would happen to come to the center absolutely that's that's you know one it's just fantastic but um, you know it's a, a well worthwhile um, you know, location as well. Um, and, you know, it's kind of one of those necessary but unnecessary things that you want to have in your community, right? I mean. Yeah, we, we love that we have it available for the kiddos that we serve, but we hate to have to have it. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and I, I don't want to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it. <laughs> How many uh, kids on average, you know, do you serve a year? Annually, we see about 300 uh, children for new allegations of abuse. Um, that number's a little bit higher because we offer mental health services as well there. So the kiddos that come to see us initially for um, whatever the allegation is that may have happened in their lives, they'll come back um, about every two weeks for counseling if a referral is made. Do you just do kids? Yes. So, ah, it's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. Did that... Did you see a spike in numbers during COVID at all? We did, actually. We um, almost 100 more in 2020 than what we've seen um, since. So we average around three, sometimes up to 350, just kind of depending on what's going on. Um, it's an interesting phenomenon because it kind of ebb and flows what's going on with kids. But during COVID, we did see um, about 400 kids, wow. which is um, 
a considerable increase in um, children served in the in the county in the area. Wow. So for the mental health aspect, um, you offer counseling, you offer um, what all mental health aspects service-wise do you provide for the kids? So we have three therapists that are provided from Dayton Children's Hospital. Um, those therapists will uh, see any kids that we refer, depending on what type of disclosures made during their interview, for anything from physical abuse to sexual abuse to witnesses to violence, any of those types of uh occurrences that are happening in their household and they're trauma focused therapists. So they will, they will do, um, every other week counseling, sometimes more if it's necessary, but then they can also make referrals for psychiatric care if necessary through the hospital. So is there any, I know you said you just, you know, deal with the kids, but is there any like family counseling that would go along with that then? So we have resources that we will refer out to. We work on, um, groups, we do have some groups that we're working towards those non-offending caregivers that um, that are involved with the families. We're working towards having groups for those folks as well. Because as we all know, these kinds of things don't just affect the kid, but they affect the family as a whole. Sure. How long, let's see how I can ask this question. How, how long do you typically have kids in your care? So. Or is there no timetable? There's really no timetable. Um, you know, from the start of the investigation, when law enforcement or children's services get us the referral, we start from day one. And then it's really the child's path um, and their their story and their journey on how long they stay with our mental health, mental health therapists. We've had kids that have left. Um, let's say that their abuse occurred while they were younger and they have successfully completed their therapy by the time that they were adolescent. They may come back as teens because they'll re-experience some trauma or some different triggers or uh, need to work through and process through some of the things that have happened to them as a child in later years. But that's not every kid, but we do have that available for those kiddos that need that. So I was going to like, so they're, those therapists are then available to them still? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, it's actually, our therapists are wonderful. All three centers have Dayton Children's Therapists. They're all phenomenal people. Um, you know, as we all well know, mental health, the crisis in the world right now yeah. is is real and, and tragic. And we're fortunate to have three really wonderful therapists yeah, that we, work with us. We are very open here about, you know, the need for mental health awareness. And mm-hmm. um, I myself, I mean, that's one of my one of my bigger things to, to discuss and make sure people are aware of the the need and the openness about it. And in fact, we had a gentleman by the name of Joe Hall on the podcast uh, back in January, mm-hmm. and he he walked across the country to raise money for mental health awareness, especially Dayton Children's Behavioral Health Unit. Oh, wow. Um, because he had a friend whose son uh, committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was his goal was to raise, uh, you know, that, that awareness because of it. Um, you know, so the need is so prevalent and the fact that, you know, they can have that relationship with you know, the therapist that helped them along the way from the beginning, mm-hmm. um, I think is such an important, uh, such an important um, part of their journey. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause once you, once you get that person that you trust, you know, and, and having to retell the story to somebody new is, that would be difficult. Yes. Um, you know, cause then you got to rehash all those things. And so I think that's, that's really wonderful that you guys, you know, will permit them to come back yes. and, and talk to that person. 
Yeah. Um, so good job. Thank you. Not that I'm telling you how to do your job, but, <laughs> no, but, but good job. <laughs> you know, our, our therapists work really hard and just having that sense of a safe place for kids to feel like they're welcome to come back to. And, you know, that's the thing with Michael's house, although we handle a very heavy topic with child abuse and not a lot of people want to talk about that. I don't, um, Michael's house isn't about child abuse. Michael's house to me is about their first step in the journey to healing and making sure that what they may be tackling at that moment is really just ends up being a glimmer in the rear view mirror of life for them, that we can give them the tools that they need to move forward and move on. And so the idea behind a child advocacy center being a safe place for children to come to tell whatever story they have, it's just, um, you know, way back in 1985, Bud Kramer had this idea and it's just evolved and continues to evolve. And I'm excited to say that we'll be come December will be 15 years that we've celebrated being open at Michael's house. So it's really exciting. Yeah, that was, I was going to, I was going to get, you know, eventually after I asked that numbers question, you know, just to kind of briefly tell the story of Michael's house, you know, how did it, how did it become you know, what it is today. Okay. So, I mean, you're welcome to do that. Sure. Sorry. I didn't mean to jump ahead. No, 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 that was was a perfect transition. (laughs) Very good. Um, So Michael's house started out of an unfortunate event, a pretty tragic event. So Bill and Elaine Mercurio had a son named Bill or named, I apologize, Michael Mercurio. And he passed uh, suddenly at the age of 37 and unexpectedly. And Michael had done a lot of work for kids and um, through his career and had gone to places like Romania and really worked with children to make sure their lives were better. And when Bill and Elaine found out that their son had passed, Elaine immediately was on the phone saying, we need to do something better for the kids in our community. And she had been a volunteer at Care House in Montgomery County for a while. So she worked with Dayton Children's to get Michael's house built very quickly. And I know that Bob Mills was very involved in that, um, as well as so many folks. They just opened their hearts and they just really helped to develop this beautiful center that we have. And so out of a very unfortunate event, created a very beautiful place for young people to come. And so uh, that was 15 years ago in December, they opened their doors. And so we've been serving kids ever since. And it's a testament to who the Mercurios were and are that they wanted to open this facility to serve kids in a better kind of way, knowing that we have so many youth in our county and surrounding counties that need this kind of place to come and tell their stories and and be able to feel safe enough to do that. Yeah, and I and I love you know kind of what you said out of you know just such a a terrible you know moment of life you know this beautiful place was built mm-hmm. and. You know, I think that's that's kind of how certain things like this work, you know, out of such a terrible moment, you know, here's an opportunity for, you know, beauty, beauty to be born out of tragedy. Right. And, you know, that, that's, that moment is where kind of that healing can begin. And, you know, so out of the beauty of Michael's house is where, you know, these children and their healing moments can begin and move forward. Mm-hmm. And they can then have this, you know, story to tell of, uh, a beautiful journey moving forward from from this you know tragic moment in their life right um and i just you know that's that's what it means you know that's what it's about right mm-hmm. um and it's 
we should be proud of the community that we have such a place. We absolutely should. And we are, you know, our community partnerships are phenomenal. We work with all of our local law enforcement. And in order for a child advocacy center to be a child advocacy center, you have to have community partner involvement. And that's law enforcement. Um, the Green County Prosecutor's Office, not only the prosecutors, but the victim advocates. Yeah. Our medical team is from Dayton Children's, and they're phenomenal as well. Every child is offered a medical exam when they walk through the mm-hmm. door. Whether we find it to be necessary or not, sometimes kids just need to know that their bodies are okay from the things that yeah. they experience. And then, of course, we have Green County Children's Services that work with us. And so those partners just continue to show up and support Michael's house in so many different ways. And then the community in and of itself by providing donations and volunteers and all of those kinds of things, it just makes us to be successful and helps really pave that journey and that path for kids to move forward. So you talked about, um, you know, police and fire. So I know some of our police and fire departments have gone out there before and, you know, they, they speak volumes of just, you know, what you guys have done and and just the, the relationship that they have with you. Um, I know my husband, he's, uh, he's a Lieutenant out at station two. Um, and I remember the first time that he went out there, he's like, Megan, this place is incredible. Um, and so, I mean, he's, he's spoken very highly of, of the work that Michael's house does. And, um, so know that the, from, from their end, you know, they, they fully appreciate the work that is being done. And, um, I love to hear that. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's, that's from them. And I know from other members of the community that I've heard from, uh, they have, they have said how much they appreciate, um, just what is being done, uh, from, from Michael's house. And so just so you knew that, you Thank know, you. thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so when I was looking through, you know, your website, I saw community education. Can you discuss a little bit about that? Yeah, we're willing to talk about Michael's House anytime we can, because awareness is the first step in prevention, right? So if we can really help folks realize what's going on in kids' lives and and provide some education with regard to that, then we're giving just that many more tools for kids to stay safe. Um, So we offer different kinds of things. I've spoken at Fairborn schools. um, I've spoken to different... I was just recently at the Rotary. I've spoken at Mayor's, um, Mayor Stone's uh, first Thursday yeah. and, and some different things like that. So just providing who we are and just a glimpse into what we do, because it will never cease to amaze me how many folks say they've never heard of Michael's house or didn't know he existed or wish they would have known about us a few years ago for whatever circumstance or whatever situation. So we are always open to provide tours to our center so we can show everybody exactly where we do what we do and to provide that education. And I'm happy to speak to anybody at any time to um, not only let them know what we do, but the benefit of it. Yeah. I was going to make sure that you talked about the tour because I knew that was, that's an important thing is that people can see, you know, not only the facility, but, you know, also hear, you know, just about what you guys do, especially if they don't hear it on here. Sure. There's a lot of people that drive by because it looks like a multiple story building and they think that we may house children. And that's one of the first things that we tell them that we don't house any children there, but we do provide all of these services. And, um, 
the doors are always open for these kiddos. All of the ones that come to see us after their story's been told, we always let them know if there's ever a time you need to come back and say anything, just let us know. It's kind of interesting. It'll never cease to amaze me because I became, before I became a manager, I was a forensic interviewer okay. that these kiddos walk through the door and they end up finding themselves at ease and telling hmm. a stranger these things that have gone, but it's really the safety in the environment that allows them to feel like they have that opportunity. I'm sure it's, it's a pretty cool environment. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd make just about anybody want to, want to <laughs> tell their story. I think the turtles and the fish out front help with that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so if I'm a member of the community, mm-hmm. like what, what are your current um, needs? What are the typical needs that I, as a community member could help with? Okay. Um, Our Facebook page is where we really put a lot of information on what our current needs are. So right now we're looking for what our need is, is um, things more around our teenagers. So when kids leave, they always, they leave with a blanket, a quilt that is provided by multiple uh, wonderful folks who make these handmade quilts for kids. And so they get to take, every kid that walks through the door gets to take one of those things. And then they get to take another little thing, be it a stuffed animal or something they get from what we lovingly call our toy room. But our teens don't have a lot of things to choose from there. And we are seeing a whole lot of teens. So our teens have a little bit of a need with regard to that. Um, Individually wrapped snacks, snacks are always helpful, but we also have, um, if you go to our webpage, we also have an Amazon wish list that lists all kinds of things. And so along with that and on Facebook, it has a number to contact. So if anybody wants to drop by or call and see what our needs may be, come for a tour, we can accommodate all of those things. Okay. And I'll make sure that I put all that information in our show notes. Okay. Which I love to say. (laughs) <laughs> so I'll put all that information in there as well, just so that people have access to it directly. Okay. Um, so we talked about the need. So if, if I have given a need mm-hmm. and covered one of those, but if I want to volunteer, are there any ways that I can volunteer and help in that way as well? Like on site mm-hmm. volunteer? Um, we do uh, have volunteers and have had volunteers in the past. They all have to go through Dayton Children's and their screening okay. process. So if somebody would like to volunteer at Michael's house, they would first have to do an application through Dayton Children's and then they could put on that application that okay. they would prefer to come to Michael's house and we can work through that. Okay. So everything has to go through Dayton Children's first and then they can come to you. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was unsure how that worked. So mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share about Michael's house that we haven't talked about already? I think I'd just like to say that, um, our community partnerships really are, um, in the, in the support from the community. Um, you know, as I stated, just, just this year, we received funding from, uh, the state of Ohio and that's the first that child advocacy centers in the state of Ohio have ever received funding from the state. So it's, it's huge for us. So the donations that we receive, whether they be in kind donations, monetary donations, none of that ever goes unnoticed and it's so much needed for the kill, the kids that we serve. But beyond that, our partnerships and the buy-in that we have from our, from our community partners, um, it really is truly phenomenal. And we would not be successful without them. In order to be a nationally accredited center, which we are, we have to have those relationships in place and have to have the buy-in from those officials in those roles. And um, all of them 
so strongly support us. And so Greene County really is a county that supports and uh, really takes care of their children. And I think that's something really to be proud of. And as Michael's House is only as successful as its partnerships and for us to continue to be successful in the way we have been, we have to continue with those partnerships and, and we have those in place and I couldn't be more proud of those relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. We, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast, not only uh, about how giving this area is um, and just how well we do partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot about how giving this community is and how well this community does partnerships. Um, and it, it just never ceases to amaze us, like just how well that happens um, and how well we support each other uh, in that regard. Um, so it's, it's always a blessing to hear, hear those words. Um, yeah, it's pretty astonishing for these kids to know that um, they have a team of people. Yeah. They have a team of investigators that are on their side, that are there to support them and to give them just that much more strength to be able to tell their story and know that they have folks there for them. So it will always be remarkable to me. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So what is it about this job that keeps you there? This is more of a personal side. Sure. Um, It will always be the kids knowing that I can lessen their load or if I'm a person that they can tell their story to to make their day a little bit brighter or I can assure that they have what they need to take steps forward that will always be my passion Mm -hmm. and that will always make me feel so proud of the work that we do there that's a perfect that's perfect (laughs) I think that's a perfect way to to end the conversation. Thank you. Why don't we? Why don't you uh, share just your um, a number of people can reach you at? Uh, maybe the website and um, maybe your socials. Okay, <laughs> you're all the pertinent information. How about that? <laughs> Where they can reach you? So the best way to reach us at Michael's House is to call our main number, which is nine three seven six four one five six seven zero, and then our web page is www michaelshousecac.org and then we have a Facebook page as well that's just listed as Michael's House but I do want to let everyone know there's a couple of Michael's House out there so you really want to look for the Michael's House that shows our logo to be able to find us All right. well Amy thank you uh, so much for joining us on the podcast and uh, letting us highlight Michael's House it was an absolute pleasure to talk with you Thank you. The same for you. I really enjoyed it. Good. And you are doing uh, just some beautiful work at Michael's house and changing, uh, changing the lives of kids uh, in the Green County and uh, broader areas. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, Mike, thanks for joining me for the second half of this. Appreciate it. Glad I could be here. Yeah. So uh, we just got done talking with Amy Ferguson from Michael's House. That was a great interview that uh, I did with her. Um, this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, so it was very apropos that we got to talk with her this month. Such an important topic. Absolutely. So we're going to kind of review some stuff that we've done and highlight a few things that are coming up. This is a busy 
weekend for us and October is always a busy month for Fairborn and pretty much downtown in general. So this is Wednesday. So that means craziness has already started, but we want to kind of step back a few days because last Friday we celebrated Friday the 13th in Fairborn. And uh, I, I think it was a hit. Um, Huge success. For a lot of people uh, downtown. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, uh, with nice weather, you know, a fall weekend. Um, but we couldn't do what we do without the folks in our public safety departments as well yeah. as uh, our public works department. But um, Chris Barker and his guys from Parks and Rec uh, leading the city efforts on every event we have downtown. Yeah. Just can't say enough about uh, about Chris and April and uh, Tim Pyle and Tucker and Ryan uh, and the rest of his staff. Chris's, Chris's guys are full bore for days before we have one of those events. And then yeah. as soon as everybody goes home, they're cleaning up. Yeah. And so they don't go home until after midnight. So to, to Chris and his team, as well as Terry Adkins and the public works guys and course, um, Chief Williams, Chief Roman, and, and the, the members of the fire department and the uh, police department who make sure that people are cared for and that the scene is safe. Um, huge shout out to them. Um, uh, you know, we're so lucky to have great people to work with. Yeah. And, and those folks all all make that event what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And if you had a chance to, to get down there Friday, it was <laughs> downtown was was a hop in place. Uh, there were multiple events happening, um, and we had people come down because the the football game was happening, and it was the last football game at Memorial Stadium. And if if you had a chance to get down there, I'm sure uh, the the end result of the game didn't turn out like Fairborn wanted, but I, I heard that it was it was a good event nonetheless. Um, people got to walk through Baker uh, some for the last time, and, and that was pretty cool. But what I thought was neat is I went out earlier that that Friday afternoon, or maybe it was even Thursday, and they were painting the logos on the field, which was really, really neat. They had the Skyhawk in the middle, or the, the Skyhawk logo, and then they had the Viking and then the Flyer logo, uh, which I thought was, was pretty pretty cool. And the guy did it freehand. That's amazing. Um, it, it was really, yeah. I mean, I, I can barely draw a stick person uh, <laughs> freehand. It was it was so well done, and I think one of the great things about all the video that was captured of the of the ceremonies before the the game included all three logos in the yeah. in the shot, and so you know not only for the folks that were there is it a historic moment, but it's been preserved, and so um, and if you can do that freehand, yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, like I kudos mean, to him. He was you know he kind of he did it. Um, I mean he I don't know, I don't want to say chalked it out, but I mean he. He kind of designed it out, and then when they went to paint it, like they all painted it, like he was painting it freehand. And I thought, you know, I mean, it's not like a paintbrush. I mean, he's got like the spray paint can, and he was spray painting that thing freehand. And I thought I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust myself with a pencil doing that kind of stuff. I and, have trouble painting a model airplane, <laughs> let alone freehanding something on a on a 
high school on a hundred yard football field. I know. I mean, it was, it was very impressive. And so, um, you know, kudos to, to the schools for doing that. And, and then all the businesses downtown that, that came out on, on Friday that, that held their own event to the chamber, uh, secret chamber house of oddities and artwork. She, she held a kind of a birthday bash, happy birthday to her fifth birthday, um, for what she did. The main house events had their own thing. The, the Phoenix had, had an event that they did. Um, so I know a, Tons of other businesses uh, stayed open late, um, so good job to them. The neighborhood nest uh, made some cookies that were Friday the Thirteenth themed. Um, so again, great job to all our, our businesses that stayed open and uh, kind of welcomed all the visitors to downtown as they are going to do so this weekend. Uh, as it is like Halloween weekends, you know, Foy's is kind of opening the floodgates uh, as uh, Foy's always does uh, in October and kind of brings everybody to the city of Fairborn. Well, it's great to see even even during the day, during October, late September and October, um, the number of people just walking. Oh, yeah. Uh, downtown, uh, going between the various shops. Uh, it, it's always great to see that. Um, drove through downtown yesterday at 12:30 and just groups of four and five and six people uh, multiple you know crossing the street it's it's great to see the downtown alive and active yeah and um, I, I know that because of the season so many people who normally wouldn't be downtown come to Fairborn uh, to shop yeah. at Foy's and some of the other stores um, with the Halloween theme uh, it's it it really is great to see the the, the downtown yeah. uh, active and and um, so, uh, love late September into October. Yeah, it, it is pretty cool. So the Halloween festival is put on by the chamber of commerce. Um, so if you have any questions about what is happening, please see their Facebook page, or you can contact the, uh, Fairborn area chamber of commerce cause they have all the information for you. Um, the event does start at four o'clock on Friday. Uh, we do host our Fairborn Parks and Rec, uh, do host the spectacular costume contest and parade that is at the Fairborn YMCA. And it will start at six o'clock. So if you're someone who does like to dress up for Halloween and wants to uh, get into a contest for that, you can uh, do so at 6 p.m. and head to the Fairborn YMCA located at uh, Central Park. I should have had the address for you, but as you all know, we are oh so prepared on this podcast, but we can put it in the show notes. And we get some of the most impressive con- or costumes that come to that uh, contest. I have seen uh, balloon people, um, like the Springfield uh, Balloon Company. I can't remember their whole name, but they will create some of the most impressive costumes made out of balloons. Uh, one of the first years I was there, there I swear there was like a 12 to 14 foot um, gigantic, scary monster looking person uh, dressed in a costume that the person had to duck through the YMCA door to get in and uh, then stood up and was on stilts. Uh, oh, here we go. Mike has the address for me. 300 South Central Avenue, Fairborn, Ohio is the address of the YMCA. Um, so there we go. Way to, way to be on top of things. You know, sometimes it just... It's been a it's, long... It, it's good to have your phone next to you. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> it, it has. Um, so, but 
uh, if you want to do that. But again, we get we've had people that have come literally from uh, all over uh, this area of Ohio. Um, I think last year I talked with somebody that came from the Cincinnati area to come up for the costume contest because they had friends in this area. But they heard about it and wanted to join. Like, it's just awesome and so what will happen is people will come up they'll get judged uh, based on their age category their type of costume whether they're in a family group um, and then once the costume contest is over uh, people kind of line up and then they literally parade downtown to the center of town and then the awards are handed out so it's it's just the, entertaining the smiles on those kids faces oh my uh, gosh. you know are, are they're great I mean you can't beat it. I mean, they're thrilled. Yeah. Um, it's always, it's always a fun time. It's always a creative time, but, um, what really makes it worth it is, is seeing the kids thrilled and happy to be there. Yeah. Um, so. And Fairborn is creative. Like I have never seen some of like, there are some of the most creative costumes at like at this thing. The, I think some of the better ones are when the parents have the babies or the, the little kids in like the wagons or the strollers and they build a costume around it. That's the most impressive. Well, and, and that, and you know, when you just drive around town and you see the amount of time and effort people put into oh my goodness. to Halloween displays out in their uh, front yards and it is, it is tremendous. Yeah. Um, you cannot say that we don't get into the season, whether it's, it's Halloween or Christmas or oh, yeah. uh, the 4th of July any of the other holidays, we have a lot of folks who spend a lot of time um, uh, making the displays out in their yards. And so um, Halloween is right there with them. So yep. there's a lot of creative people in this town. We are, we like to be festive. Cool. Uh, so Halloween trick or treat on October 31st, trick or treat is always, 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 always on October 31st. Rain, snow, sleet. Or combination of those. Or a combination of all of the above. Uh, or sunshine. Uh, always, always, always on October 31st from 6 to 8 p.m. Always. So if you ever have anybody ask, when is trick-or-treat in the city of Fairborn? You can tell them. You heard it from us. October 31st. October 31st from 6 to 8 p.m. Period. All right. Uh, so again, today is Wednesday. So today is Farmer's Market Day. So we have two left. We have today is the uh, final 10 to 2 p.m. Farmer's Market. And then next week, the 25th, is the last uh, Farmer's Market of the year. And it'll be a night market. That's 3 to 7 p.m. And what's fun about this one is they're going to do a trick-or-treat at the market. Uh, so typically we'll have... Um, like a fire truck in the market and then the kids can trick or treat at the booths and even some of the vendors that are there for a food truck, they'll have um, some candy. So if you have a kid that has gone, maybe I know there's, I think trunk or treat at the primary. So they can actually do trunk or treat at the primary that day. And if you want to go to the farmer's market for dinner, grab some fun stuff uh, from the vendors at the farmer's market and then hit whatever food trucks are there. You can get candy, some snacks, and then food, and then some more candy. They could actually hit two trunk or treats and dinner at the same time. Can't beat that, I especially mean, if you're a kid. Seriously. It's I mean, like, that's, that's motivation right there if you're a kid. Yeah. You can hit two trunk or treats at the same time. Um, you want to talk about council conversations? 
Uh, Council Conversations is coming up uh, again uh, next week. 30th. 30th, I'm sorry. It's a couple, two. Monday the 30th. Um, our friends at uh, Maple Heights Baptist Church on Funderburg Road will be hosting Council Conversations uh, on the 30th. It'll be from 6 p.m. to 7.30. Yep. So we'll post more information uh, on our social media about it, but yep. it'll be Monday, October 30th from 6 to 7.30 at Maple Heights Baptist Church on Funderburg Road. That's your opportunity to come in and speak to council members directly. Yep. Uh, always a well-attended event. And if you've got a few minutes, you, you're not obligated to stay there the whole time. But um, council always appreciates feedback from from residents. And so if you've got a chance and you're in, in the area of Maple Heights Baptist Church on the 30th from 6 to 730, please stop by. Yeah. Excellent. I'm not going to even add any more. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> We just have a few more for you. Uh, we want to give a s special shout out to um, the Fairborn uh, High School Marching Band at Color Guard uh, over this past weekend. Uh, this would have been the weekend of uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, so uh, Friday 14th, uh, October, not Friday the 14th, Friday the 13th and 14th that, that weekend, uh, they participated in uh, a competition and the Marching Band and Color Guard received second place and class AAA uh, rating uh, for best percussion and best pit crew. So our color guard and marching band continue to excel. Uh, so kudos to them. Uh, and uh, we continue to to what say that our, our music program is uh, just an incredible music program in the city of Fairborn. Absolutely. I mean, they, they represent the community so well, along with, with our other high school sports and, and yeah. extracurricular activities. But but what a what a great program! Um, yeah. Such a source of pride. Absolutely, gotta love everything that, that 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 band does. Yeah, they they are they're rock stars in our books. Uh, and then finally, uh, also over the weekend, the uh, high school ASL, which is the American Sign Language, uh, those students participated at the Deaf Festival, which was at Wright State University. Uh, there were three students there that participated, and they were actually one of two schools that were asked to perform at the festival. Um, and our uh, sign language uh, instructors, they, they're known in the area. Uh, so we have a really good sign language program at the high school. Um, so it was a really you know, big deal that um, those students were asked to do that. So kudos to them and great job uh, by them to be there. Um, so huge shout out to, to both of those, um, both the band Color Guard and those ASL students. So good job. So I do have one more shout out. Oh, excellent. We like shout outs. Um, our public safety folks. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who didn't know yesterday, uh, there was a oh, yeah. natural gas leak down in the southeastern part of the city, down in the Cornerstone subdivision off of Trabine Road, yep. down near Hobson Park. And so uh, a natural gas line was accidentally hit by a construction crew. Um, our public safety, I can't say enough good things about them. Um, they went door to door in what we call the hot zone, yeah. which is what's closest to the, the leak area, uh, to advise residents, um, to tell them what they needed to do, um, as well as just controlling the scene altogether. And, and I know it inconvenienced some folks that wanted to go back into their homes, but it was a significant enough gas leak, uh, that there was some major concern about, um, people's well-being and safety. And so 
during that few hours it took for uh, Centerpoint, which we all call Vectrin, right. to get that leak under control, I cannot say enough uh, about uh, Chief Williams and uh, the fire department's uh, response to that, as well as Chief Roman and the police department's response to that. And so, thankfully, yeah. Uh, there were no issues, but it's always great to know that that our staff uh, was there and and did everything they could to make sure uh, that people were safe, uh, their homes were safe. Uh, and I know uh, you know it was an inconvenience for some folks for a few hours, but um, it was a significant leak, and our response was was top notch. And so, shout outs to both the police and fire department. Um, as well as the other city crews that helped assist with that. But uh, a shout out also to uh, Centerpoint Vectrin yeah. for their rapid response and their and their rapid repair of that line. So um, uh, when we need them, we've got the best. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, they uh, they fixed it, I know, a lot quicker than, uh, than I think we expected them to. So absolutely. And, and them. the coordination with Fairborn city schools, uh, Gene yeah. Lolly and, and his crew to make sure, um, that, that, uh, bus routes weren't, were, uh, buses knew where they could go and couldn't go, yeah. what they needed to do with the kids to keep them safe until everything was, was taken care of. Um, uh, kudos to, to Mr. Lolly and his team also. So yeah. it was a great effort between the city and the schools and, and everyone else to, to keep everybody informed about uh, what was happening and what needed to happen to stay safe. So, yep. And we, and we appreciate the, the patients, you know, we know that that was, it might've been a stressful time for, you know, the public, you know, perhaps not, not understanding what was going on, but um, it was, when you've got gas leaks like that, it's, it's a very, Often it's a it's a it's an unknown time um, because the gas company can come in and repair it very quickly, um, or they can come in and not find it right away. So I mean it, it is a it's a very quickly sometimes slow moving target. So uh, we do appreciate the patience with that. Um, well, Mike, if you don't have any, I don't have anything else. I don't have anything else either, other than uh, it is Halloween season in the city of Fairborn, and uh, we just want you to enjoy it and be safe, um, and to remember that because it is uh, Halloween season, it is getting darker um, uh, earlier at night, and to realize that kids and other people are going to be crossing the street, so please be careful, and when you are when you are out, just um, just to be safe and. Have fun because we want everybody to have a good time this year, uh, as always. So uh, with that, um, I think this is the last podcast before Halloween. So have a safe uh, trick or treat for those who are going to be doing that. And um, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thanks. We'll see you. We'll see you around town.